Hello and welcome to Lost in Sci-Fi and Fantasy. I'm your host Leo and today we are talking about the 2004 film Troy. Troy is a film based off of the Iliad, one of the classics. It stars Brad Pitt as well as a lot of other celebrities like Sean Bean, Orlando Bloom in a fairly early-ish role. He looks very young in this film as well as Brendan Gleeson and just so many stars. It's a very star-studded cast. I will go ahead and start with some background as well as as well as some, I guess, asterisks, uh, some caveats. So let's start with the caveats. I have not read the Iliad as of yet. Uh, it is a Greek epic poem, and as such, it is very long. It's very long and very flowery wording. It, it's it's hard. I did try to read the Odyssey. It's a continuation following Odysseus, uh, which we will talk about next week. But it, <laughs> I, I haven't read the book yet. So there's a lot of stuff I do not know whether or not it's in the original story or not. But there are some things that I can tell aren't quite right. But we'll get into those uh, a little bit down the line. My history with this film, it came out in 2004. So I didn't see it at all when it first came out because I was a, a wee child at the time. And I haven't really watched it at all since. I was interested in it when I saw it on HBO Max about a year, year and a half ago, give or take. It, it sparked my interest because I do love Greek mythology and Greek stories and whatnot. I, mean, I am reading the entirety of the Percy Jackson franchise currently so it kind of shows you yeah I, I really like greek mythology and whatnot but i've only read like half of the odyssey and i've not touched the iliad yet because i know that a lot of the iliad is the trojan war and at the time it didn't really spark my interest i, I tried reading the odyssey in um high school like early high school and <laughs> it was of my own free will i, I it wasn't assigned to me or anything i just I was like i want to read this and i got a decent chunk in but then the way that this version of it was written wasn't quite sitting well with me, so I decided to uh, stop reading for the time being. I'll probably go back and read the specific one at some point, but as of right now, uh, no. That, that is also another interesting thing for you know these classics, is there's many different interpretations of the original text, especially since the original story was kind of mostly passed on through like verbal communication so it was orally passed on that that's the word it was it was an oral tradition that was passed on and you know it was said to have been like compiled by homer but we still don't even know if homer existed but you know it, it's still a really interesting story and you know it depends on the the version but there's some things that definitely don't line up at all with the original story and again we'll get into those in, in a second but yeah so i saw it on hbo max i was interested in watching it but it's a long movie. It comes in at about 2 hours and 42 minutes. And doing what I like to do, I procrastinated and pushed it off until it was eventually booted off of HBO Max. And then it came back, like, a few months later. And then it was booted off again. So I never got around to watching it. And then I decided, well, I know my family has it on DVD, so I'll just borrow it. And I'll take it with me when I go on my adventure. But yeah, that, that adventure has been delayed. For the time being. But I decided to continue on with my planned schedule anyway. Because, well, I already had them planned and I want to talk about them. <laughs> so I watched the film just about 10 to 20 minutes ago. 
And yeah, so let's go ahead and talk about it. So the biggest difference between this film and the original story, or the legend, if you will, is that the war in the original story lasted for 10 years, and most of the events kind of happened near the end of the story. And it it, in, it includes a lot of interesting tidbits throughout, but it tries to play it off as if this war was like a month or two, because there's like the first initial battles that last maybe like a week on and off. Then there is the the killing of Hector, and then Achilles allowing Hector to be burned for 12 days, and then they immediately go from that to the Trojan horse and the end of the Trojan War. So it only lasts in the movie like a month, a month or two at most, if you're willing to like let time stretch a bit. Because, yeah, it's supposed to be the Siege of Troy, which lasts for 10 years before it is finally broken when Odysseus creates the Trojan horse. But it's fine. <laughs> then there's also the skirting of mythology i guess this movie is trying to be a more grounded and realistic portrayal it's not that achilles is you know in completely invulnerable save for when he is struck in his ankle or his heel he he is just really good at dodging i guess in in this uh film and he's able to do some things that are questionably, like, superhuman, but is just kind of played off for us as he's just really good. And that's, that's kind of annoying, because I prefer my Greek mythology to have the mythological elements. They desecrate a temple to Apollo, and that leads the Trojans to believe that they are on the winning side. Because the temple was sacked, they... Are going to have the favor of Apollo and for at least the beginning of the film it would seem that they kind of have that favor they're able to push back the overwhelming odds of the Greeks but in the end you know they end up getting sacked it, it, it's a sad thing the war of course is sparked when Paris uh, prince of Troy falls in love with Helen of Sparta and takes her with him to Troy. It's played off in some versions as he kidnaps her, and the Spartans are able to rally the all of the kings of Greece together in order to retrieve her. But, of course, you know, when that pretense is fallen, it's revealed to just be they want to destroy Troy, as many wars are. You know, you give them a very weak pretense for war, and then you just... You eventually drop it because, you know, usually that pretense is destroyed in one of the battles. And, you know, you just end up continuing going. It, it's what happens a lot of the time. But yeah, so after that, we follow Achilles in this film for a good chunk of it. And he's on the cover of the film. He's on the posters and everything. We follow him and he's just a bit of an arrogant bastard, really. He says that he doesn't really fight for any kings. He tends to he just tends to show up sometimes I, I don't know much about the actual full legend of Achilles I know that he 
is said to have been dipped in the river of Styx by his mother because she w received a prophecy that he was to die in battle. So she dipped him in the river Styx when he was a baby in order to make him invulnerable. But in order to actually like dip him, she had to hold him by his ankle or his heel and dipped him in. And so he was invulnerable everywhere except for his heel. That is, you know, the the legend of Achilles. He kills Hector of Troy. Be in the movie, it's because Hector killed his cousin, assuming that his cousin was Achilles. Because in the film, he dresses up as Achilles and marches Achilles' men out to battle. Uh, and everyone assumes that he's Achilles. Until his throat is slit by Hector. And Hector then, you know, finishes the boy off because he realizes, oh, I killed the wrong person, but now he's suffering. In response to this, Achilles goes to Troy, outside the gates, alone, and just keeps shouting, Hector, until Hector comes out and faces him. And Achilles, you know, they, they fight. It is actually probably a really good one-on-one -on -one fight in the film. It's nice. And he ends up killing Hector, tying his body to the back of his chariot, and riding around, and taking it back to camp. Hector's father, the king of Troy, comes to Achilles in the night and pleads with him to let him bury his son. After, you know, a really touching scene, Achilles relents and allows him to take his son back with him. And he also allows him 12 days to, gr to grieve his son, which is, I guess, the tradition where both Achilles and this king, you know, come from. Both of their cultures are relatively similar because they both they all like worship the same gods and everything, but you know they're still fighting. <laughs> uh, so then after this, they like I said they transition immediately into the the Trojan horse, in which Odysseus disassembles some of the boats, builds the Trojan horse, and then all of the army the Greek army, leaves, save for a small squad that is hidden in the horse. The Greek armies just kind of moored their ships slightly further down the coast, and as the kind of infiltration squad is brought in, it's brought in and they festival around it and everything, but then at night, after they've tired themselves out, the Greeks come out and begin to slaughter. Well, they, they begin to slaughter and they open the gates so that their army can come in. In the film, Achilles is trying running through the city trying to find a woman he fell in love with uh who is the cousin of Hector in Paris who had become a priestess in the temple of Apollo when they sacked the temple of Apollo they kidnapped her and she was presented to Achilles but then king Agamemnon took her gave her to the men after their loss the first loss at Troy, at the gates of Troy. And then Achilles took her back and she fell in love. It's it's a weird side plot that I have I'm feeling pretty sure isn't in the in the story. It just felt a bit out of place. Uh but I mean it, it's relatively harmless. But his trouncing through the city, trying to find her, as she's also trouncing through the city she comes against king agamemnon she kills him then achilles comes to her but paris finds him and assumes that he's trying to attack her i guess which is i mean a fair assumption when the city's under attack and he shoots he shoots achilles through the heel 
and then shoots him many more times with arrows, but then Achilles pulls out the arrows and then uh, dies, which I think is supposed to show that he he was invulnerable, or he wasn't in, invulnerable the entire time. It's just that he got really, really lucky for most of his life, I guess. But it, it's still one of those things that's not fully explained. Now, as for some of the moments that I kind of appreciated, because I decided to do a little bit of research after I watched the film, as I like to do with movies like this, and there is a scene, because early on, Hector shows his wife an escape tunnel, because it, he feels that if he falls, so will Troy, and he knows that he is about to be challenged by Achilles for killing his cousin. So he shows his wife an escape route, and tells her to try to get as many people out as possible, but most importantly, she needs to be one of them. And so, he, after he dies, and again, the subsequent siege, or the subsequent Trojan horse and whatnot, she does that, and Paris also escorts Helen to the exit, and as he's about to leave, as he wants to go try and save his father, and also help defend the city as best as he can to, to help in the evacuation of Troy, he gives the Sword of Troy, which has been kind of established throughout uh, the thing, as with it, the spirit of Troy goes and, you know, Troy can live on. Uh, one of these things on Wikipedia, it says, The Romans later traced their origin to Aeneas, Aphrodite's son, and one of the Trojans who is said to have led the surviving Trojans to modern-day Italy. You see this scene in the film when Paris gives Aeneas the sword of Troy, and says what his father had told him to this random uh, boy. He tells him that with the sword goes the spirit of Troy, and, you know, the Troy can shall live, essentially. Which is, I think, a really nice uh, thing. Uh, it also had a hero named Ajax, which was kind of my favorite character in the film, though he has a very short thing, short, like, existence in it. He's one of my favorites just because of his design. He's just a big guy, and he goes around with this big old hammer, like, this war hammer, and he just wrecks shit, and I love it. He is killed by Hector in the film relatively early on in the first Greek attempt on Troy. So, there's that. Uh, also, according to this Wikipedia article... I know Wikipedia is not the greatest source, but still. Uh, it states that Paris also died, but we do not see that in the film. We see him kill Achilles, take his cousin, and try to flee to the exit. But literally the film then cuts to Achilles' funeral and voiceover by Odysseus. Uh, it, there's something that's kind of sad is it does not talk about, you know, Odysseus... Odysseus's travel because the the movie at the beginning and the end is narrated by Odysseus I believe and it's neat but there's no hint at what comes next what happens next especially since it's narrated by Odysseus you would assume that it would show at least a small hint would have been nice but I guess it's not fully necessary but yeah the movie is long it you don't feel it too much but when it slows down you feel it uh because it slows down quite a few times because the film begins with the it's it starts with a, a short battle in which two armies agamemnon's army and someone else's army i can't remember they meet and to try to settle the fight easily they pit their best warriors against each other agamemnon summons achilles while um, the other guy summons some other 
really big guy. And, of course, Achilles is, oh, he's not actually at the battle. He's asleep in a tent somewhere. They send a boy to get him, and he comes and then does quick work of the man. Then it cuts to uh, Paris and Hector trying to make peace with Sparta. Then it kind of cuts from there to the boat, where Paris tells Hector, well, he asks Hector, would you, you know, help me no matter what? Would you stay by my side no matter what? And his brother says, that's suspicious. You know, you you haven't asked me that since, you know, the last time you asked me that, you had, like, stolen one of our father's horses or something like that. You know, he, he had done something wrong. And Paris says, well, I have something to show you. And he takes him under, uh, below deck, and shows him that he has Helen of Sparta there. And his brother immediately wants to turn around and return her, but then he comes to realize that that would not be a good idea. So war is inevitable, he has kind of decided, and, you know, assists in bringing her to Troy, to where she's actually welcomed with open arms. And according to her side of the story in this movie, she was forced to marry, uh, what's his name? Menelaus of Sparta. When she was 16, she did not love him. She did not care for him. In fact, she sa she stated many times that she would have rather walked into the sea than be with him until Paris showed up. And which she then fell in love with him and then, you know, was willing to be absconded. But the, the Spartans saw it as a kidnapping situation, which was the last straw in getting them to help Agamemnon in his war to claim all of the Aegean Sea. And in doing so, you know, they, they gather this massive army, which is very impressive, and they, they set off to war. And it shows when Achilles, when, when they're arriving to the beach, Achilles is a bit of a showboat. He wants, part of his reasoning for doing this fight, like joining this war, is that he wants his name to live on forever, which I... Which was one of the annoying things I found in the film is many times, many many times, it kept repeating the like line, "Your name will be remembered for centuries, you, long before, long after our bones dust has been blown away, we will be remembered for this." So it's it's talking about how they will go into legend, they will become, you know, infamous. They, their names will be known throughout history, and I I just. It's just gets a bit annoying. You're like, yeah, I get it. You don't have to hammer it in. I understand that this is an ancient Greek story and whatnot. And yes, we still talk about it to this day. It's cool. But still, <laughs> shut up. Then the other thing that really annoyed me, and I, I don't know why it did this, but there was like at least three to four scenes where when the scene, like when the shot was supposed to end and transition into the next scene, it would slow down it would go into slow motion for some reason it happened a few times some like like once or twice during an action scene and then like three two to three times on nothing particular at all like it would just linger on someone's face and you could tell that they've slowed it down because i guess they they wanted the shot to linger more than they had filmed i guess it, it was very noticeable for some reason I don't know why. Let's see. Uh, it's, it, there's not a whole lot to talk about, actually. Because overall, this this 
movie following the Trojan War. It, it's just that. It's following a war. You know, it's, there's some battles. They're cool. They're big. They had a lot of extras, which was really cool. A lot of the side characters were fun. But for the most part, it's focusing on two romances for some reason. Which you'd think it would focus on the one, but they decided, let's throw in another one. Uh, and one of them they made an absolute tragedy by you know having it to where Achilles dies, of course, as he does. But then the other one, they leave it open to interpretation as to whether or not he survives. Because he's, he's able to leave the scene and we don't see him die. So, who knows? Who knows what happened to Paris? Uh, but yeah, um, I think with that... Do I recommend this film? Absolutely. Do I recommend reading the original? I don't know yet. Um, overall, when it comes to like classics, it's hard to recommend them unless you're really interested. Because there's one, one there's wording and whatnot that would absolutely stop some people in their tracks. And then you continue on and see you know, all these Greek names and whatnot, and you just kind of your eyes will just kind of glaze over, and you'll you'll just ignore it for the most part. And I, I completely understand that. A lot of old works are really hard to like get into. I will eventually read the Iliad and talk about it on this podcast, and I'll read the Odyssey, especially the version that I'm not a hundred percent on board with, and I will talk about them eventually. Not anytime soon, especially since I am currently in the middle of a book challenge uh, that's going decently well. Uh, I will go ahead and, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and, you know, record the update in this. I won't do a separate update. I'm currently recording this on a Thursday, so not my normal uh, Sunday update recording. So I'll just go ahead and throw it in because there is a lot to update you on besides, you know, just the challenge. So we will start with the adventure update. So as I talked about earlier, the adventure has been uh, postponed. It hasn't been canceled, it's been postponed. So the job I was hired to do, uh, the client has had trouble with land acquisitions, I guess, is I think what happened. And so we have to wait. They have currently postponed the job until June. So we shall see. They are they're looking to see if they can place me anywhere else in the meantime, but from what it's looking like, I'm waiting until June. I was going to wait a little bit longer. I was going to wait until Sunday to do the update as normal, but with how long it's taking them to get back to me on the potential of another job, I'm going to guess that the answer's no. So I just have to wait until June. As they have reassured me, I have that job. They just need to wait until they can actually do the job. There's a lot of negatives that come with this delay. Besides the fact that literally, literally it was delayed on the day I bought supplies for the trip. I bought supplies for the trip. I was ready to go. And then we got delayed. And that, that hurt. That, that sucked. That, <laughs> that put me in a bit of a, a bit of a spin, which will help with what I'll be talking about later in the main book update. But another downside is the weather during this period of time that I was supposed to be working is ideal. It's relatively cool and, you know, there would be lots of periods of time of cloud cover. But in June, that's when it starts getting really hot. 
and based off of what I've heard of the job description, it's going to be open fields for miles. So there's not going to be any real cover. The sun's just going to be beaten down. June's a terrible time to do it, but I will still do it. I It gives some upsides, though. Um, it gives me a chance to play Star Wars Jedi Survivor. Uh, I did pre-order it, and I that was like one of the negatives of the job was that it lined up almost exactly to when Jedi Survivor came out. And so now I get to play it, and I'll probably play it, beat it, maybe platinum it, and then do an episode on it. We'll see. <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm i excited for that. And also it gives me a chance to kind of try to get a little bit more in shape for the job to come. Because I'll admit, I am not the healthiest person. I am not at all really in shape. But hey, it's fine. I'll, I'll No matter what, I'll do the job that I am hired to do. That's what I do. But... With that aside, uh, let's go ahead and talk about how the challenge itself is going. It's going pretty good, though, as you may have guessed, with the stress and whatnot surrounding the job, I I slowed down massively. So my plan was on Sunday to push as much as possible and then Monday to push as much as possible to try to get the book done Monday, Tuesday, and you know then start the, the uh, last Olympian on Tuesday-ish. So that I could have it going and whatnot for Wednesday when the trip began. Like when I would be on the road. And I would have a great opportunity to spend as much time as possible reading nothing but that book. But on Monday the trip was cancelled because overall everything was postponed. And then a lot of other stuff just kind of piled on it would seem. It was terrible. Things have not been great this past week, but I did finish Battle of the Labyrinth. That is done. Tick. Now, I said in my my update on uh, YouTube Shorts that I consider it the angstiest book in the series, and I still kind of stand by that because, one, it has Nico kind of at his angstiest, where he's trying to resurrect his sister. So there, there's that. Then there's also the drama between Percy and Annabeth, especially near the end of the book, when they are discussing what happened to Luke. Then there is also the fact that they think that Percy died, you know, about halfway through the book, and then his subsequent mini-romance with Calypso. Now, something I will say, I noticed something a bit odd. Now, this doesn't really have anything to do with the writing or my experience, except for it's more my experience rereading it. This is like my third or fourth time rereading this series. And something I've noticed trying to read all of the books really fast is that things last a lot shorter than I remember them lasting. <laughs> I remember Percy being stuck on Ojijia for a long time, but he's literally only there for one chapter. I was very surprised by that. <laughs> I was like, oh, really? Huh. I remember this being a lot longer. But to be fair, at the time when I was first reading the story, I was reading it kind of in sections. So whenever there was a break in the page, I would usually stop around there and then pick it up later because that's how I read. That's how I do stuff. I give myself checkpoints and I meet them as best as I can. And when I was younger, the way I would do it is I would do it either by page or page break or chapter. Whenever there was a stop, I would stop. Yeah, so whenever there was a, a break in the page or whatnot, or the page ended perfectly, I would stop. That's how I read. Uh, but I've gotten better to where, you know, I'll read whole chapters now <laughs> before stopping. 
know, I've, I've improved, huzzah. But, you know, it, it just makes you realize just how short these scenes actually are. Uh, but yeah, overall, my experience reading or rereading The Battle of the Labyrinth, it was fun. It's nice. Um, I wish I had read it a little bit faster than I did, but it's good. You know, I like Percy and Annabeth's dynamic throughout the uh, story. They share their first kiss as uh, Percy's about to be blown up. It's sweet. But what I'm not a big fan of is, like, the the addition of just slightly unnecessary drama. All of these girls like him, which is also a bit of a weird thing in the, in this book. He ends up, in this book, having three girls like him, and it's he doesn't notice any of them until literally one of them tells him directly to his face. Except for, like, slight hints here and there, which he still seems to ignore for some reason. When when pretty much people have told him directly to his face, Annabeth likes you, and you very obviously like Annabeth, but they still kind of ignore that. He just moves on. I mean, sure they don't fully say that, but they pretty much do. There's There's so much pointing towards it where you think he would realize, but I don't know. It's it's a, one of those little frustrating things, especially since yeah. Another thing I noticed, I could have sworn that he learns about the prophecy much earlier than the fifth book. Now, this I think is due in part to the terrible Percy Jackson movies, in which he is told I believe the full fucking prophecy in the second movie, where. Percy does learn, he learns about the existence of the prophecy in the first book. He learns the general idea of the prophecy in the second book, ever so slightly learning a little bit more about it in the third, and then not really learning anything new about it in the fourth. And then he's finally told the full prophecy only in the fifth book, and I keep forgetting that that's the case. I, I keep forgetting that he doesn't know the exact wording of the prophecy until the fifth book, which I keep forgetting every single time. It's it's kind of funny. I think it's because of the fact that he, he acts as if he knows the prophecy from the second book. Like, from when Annabeth tells him a little bit about it in the second book, he kind of goes on to assume that he knows the entirety of the prophecy throughout the rest of the books until he's finally told what the wording actually is in the fifth one. You know, it's one of those it's one of those things where you're like, oh, huh, weird. But uh, yeah. So I have currently not actually started uh, the Last Olympian. I will be starting that today. It's one of those things where another another reason I've been kind of delaying when I read is I know certain sections come up. And when I, I want to just be able to sit down and read through that entire section, you know, undisturbed. And so I put it off until a time where I can read it undisturbed. So, for example, the entire beginning of The Last Olympian, because The Last Olympian it, in itself is a kind of nonstop roller coaster the entire time, if I remember correctly, from the beginning. Because from the beginning, it just kicks off. Unlike some of the other books where, you know, there's a little bit of a build up first and then it kicks off. But yeah, so I, I've been holding off because I want to read like the first five chapters together. So we'll, we'll see. In general, the progress on the fifth book will be slow until Sunday. 
though there will be a good chance to read a lot of it on Friday. So, we'll see where I'm at. Um, but, yeah, so, sorry, this update's a little bit awkward because of the fact that it's it's done a lot earlier than I would normally do it. Because normally, the way I've been doing it is I would record the episode sometime during the week, edit the episode sometime during the week, and then on Sunday, I would record and edit the update. But I have kind of switched that around a little bit uh, this week by recording the episode and the update together, kind of like I did on the first uh, update. But yeah, so I'll have a lot more to update you on next week, as I will be pushing it off until Sunday doing the update to try to make sure that I have as much information in there as possible, especially seeing as after The Last Olympian, we will be beginning the first spacer book the first break book i'm super excited about it because oh boy i need a little bit of a spacer (laughs) i'm looking forward to it though there it comes with its own challenges but ideally i would be starting that well around a week from now uh with any luck i'll i'll i keep saying it but i hope i finish the last olympian by monday if not it's fine it's just these spacer books are where I'm most worried about time being eaten. So I do want to try and finish The Last Olympian as fast as possible. With any luck, I'll finish it on Sunday, which there will be no uh, additional update uh, recorded then. And then I'll start uh, Shadows of the Empire and read it through through to through to through. Uh We'll see where I'm at and how things are going. Anywho, sorry for kind of rambling on near the end there. Uh, Thank you guys so much for listening. uh, And I will talk to you guys next week. Yeah.